0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and once free Americans, to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze TV on Tuesday, the 15th of December, which, folks, is the 229th anniversary of the ratification of the Bill of Rights. The rights that we no longer have anymore, because the fix is in. Yes, folks, the fix is in. And what I mean by that is, that's when we have two political parties that control this country, and they get together and decide, here's how things are going to go. Biden won the election. It doesn't matter what evidence you introduce, how widespread it was, how severe it was, doesn't matter. This is what we're doing. We live in an era where logical arguments, legal arguments, policy arguments, prudence, cause and effect, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing with COVID fascism. No matter how much evidence we show that this stuff doesn't work, that it's unlawful, that it's harmful, it doesn't matter. Talk to the hand. This is what we decided we're doing. And all of the powers that be, as we talked about on yesterday's show, particularly the courts... And the political branches, they all get together. And this is the way it's going to be, even if it's totally different from the way it would occur if the same processes played out in another situation. So we're going to talk about some of the COVID stuff a little bit later. How the fix is in for that. How it's never going to end until we have a revolution. We're going to talk about the election stuff first. Because yesterday we had massive... News breaking from a Michigan County court audited court released audit on the fraud of Dominion ballot machines in Antrim County. This is not speculative. This is known. I mean, it was confirmed. There were thousands of votes switched to Biden and we're to believe it was just a mistake. Well, an independent audit conducted by the county. Greenlit by Circuit Judge Kevin Elzenheimer demonstrated that we conclude that the Dominion voting system is intentionally and purposefully designed with inherent errors to create systemic fraud and influence election results. Those same things were used throughout Michigan, throughout Georgia, throughout Nevada, and in many counties in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. But here we are. Every Republican is shut up. Biden's elected. McConnell, Cornyn, Thune, all these Republicans, they're done. Even though they could totally hold hearings the next two weeks on this and based on the outcomes, decide not to certify the election, force a commission, force a stalemate, force a compromise. But no, this is the Republican Party we have. So whether we like it or not, we have to operate in a world where Biden will be president. And there are many opportunities politically for that, by the way, if we seize them. Now, the first one is arming yourself. Look, with Biden becoming president, there is no doubt that the spike in prices on guns and ammo, particularly ammo, will not go down. But folks, one thing I can guarantee you is that you could support this show, support a patriotic American company, support the Second Amendment, and get yourself a safe, responsible, versatile holster starting at just 40 bucks. We The People Holsters, proud sponsor of the show. They're custom designed to fit your firearm perfectly, made right here in the USA. Thousands of options to choose from. I got my uh, left-handed canic TP9 SF Elite right here, and you could just feel it. Perfect release, and then that click when it goes in. It, it's just nice and tight, but but really slides out like butter at the same time. So it's secure, but really useful, easily adjusted, um, both the cant and the ride to fit comfortably and snugly and securely at all times. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com forward slash CR to get yours today. Every holster ships free, comes with lifetime guarantee, and you get an additional $10 off with offer code CR Perfect gift this time of year. If you want to gift to a friend or, or relative, satisfaction guaranteed if it doesn't fit perfectly. We the peopleholsters.com slash CR. We the slash CR. Offer code CR. Now folks, we have a lot of news on that front too. The crime front. It turns out there's now more reports on carjackings skyrocketing. Precisely because everyone's wearing a mask and people don't realize when someone's coming up behind them because everyone looks like a robber these days. That's just one of the many forgotten civilization-destroying, cascading effects of the masked Nazis. We got a lot of news as well on the border. 70,000 border crossers in November We're already halfway through December. I'm sure the numbers have gone up, but CBP just came out late with their November report. So that's what we have to look forward to. A government that fails to defend our rights, that violates our rights, but gives rights to criminals, gives rights to legal aliens. Again, our American Revolution was nothing compared to the grievances we have today. I just want to say a word about the Bill of Rights. Today is the Bill of Rights Day. I've always agreed with James Madison that he felt we should not have a Bill of Rights. He felt that those were understood since the settlement of the continent long before the founding of the Federal Republic. That there are natural law, natural rights that government can't do to you. And to spell it out in a constitution would somewhat imply that these are the only rights you have and it somehow comes from government. And, and I do think, as much as we all appreciate the verbiage of the Bill of Rights, but I do think that's what ultimately allowed them to manipulate it. Well, this is what freedom of speech means. This is what it doesn't mean. This is what right to self-defense means. and This is what it doesn't mean. doesn't apply during a time of an emergency. And that's where we are today. And folks, the fix is in. Notice how it doesn't matter what sort of evidence can come. Everyone was like, show me the evidence, show me the evidence. And and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't even so into the Dominion stuff. My point was, look, we have election law fraud where we know these mail-ins were built off of ballot harvesting and lawless ballots, impossible statistics, impossible rejection rates. You just look at that, even if we didn't have any really... Deeply insidious problems going on with actual software. It was enough to steal the election, which is true. I mean, the stuff that the Republican Party of Nevada is alleging with non-citizens voting, people out of state voting is is way over the 10,000 vote margin of victory ascribed to Biden. But here we have the smoking gun in Antrim County. The audit conducted. By Allied Security Operations Group run by Russell. Ramsland, he uh, was uh, in NASA. He worked at NASA under the Reagan administration. He concluded research is ongoing. However, based on the preliminary results, we conclude that the errors are so significant that they call into question the integrity and legitimacy of the results in the Antrim County 2020 election to the point that the results are not certifiable. Because the same machines and software are used in 48 other counties in Michigan, this casts doubts on the integrity of the entire election in the state of Michigan. There you have it, folks. Let me read you more. The system intentionally generates an enormous high number of ballot errors. Electronic ballots are then transferred for adjudication. The intentional errors lead to bulk adjudication of ballots with no oversight, no transparency, no audit trail. This leads to voter or election fraud. Based on our study, we conclude that the Dominion voting system should not be used in Michigan. We further conclude that the results of Antrim County should not have been certified. And again, folks, remember, this is not coming out of left field. Long before we had a dispute over election results, the state of Texas refused prospectively to use Dominion and felt that they had these very problems. And, and they go on to explain numerous ways why this Antrim ballot, you know, the few thousand uh, ballots that were given to Biden. Remember, this is a strong Republican county that initially reported as going for Biden. It could not have just been one mistake. It was a series of errors that are almost impossible to believe. They were all human errors. Now, maybe we could just find this out. Nope. The staggering number of voters' votes required adjudication. This was a 2020 issue not seen in previous election cycles, still stored on the server. This is caused by intentional errors in the system. The intentional errors lead to bulk adjudication of ballots with no oversight, no transparency, or audit trail. Our examination of the server logs indicates that the high error rate was incongruent with patterns from previous years. The statement attributing these issues to human error is not consistent with the forensic evaluation, which points more correctly correctly to systemic machine or software errors. The systemic errors are intentionally designed to create errors in order to push a high volume of ballots to bulk adjudication. Now, maybe we could just go and research this. No, because significantly, the computer system shows vote adjudication logs for prior years, but all adjudication log entries for the 2020 Election cycle are missing. The adjudication process is the simplest way to manually ma- manipulate votes. The lack of records perverts any form of audit accountability, and their conspicuous absence is extremely suspicious since the files exist for previous years using the same software. Removal of these files violates state law and prevents a meaningful audit, even if the secretary wanted to conduct an audit. We must conclude that the 2020 election cycle re- records have been manually re- removed. Folks, There's no middle ground here. Either the people making these accusations need to go to jail or the people who did them need to go to jail. None of us are saying to come to a specific conclusion based on anything. But you add this all up with everything. How could the Republican-controlled Senate not have spent time since November, and certainly now based on this, every day holding hearings in the Senate Judiciary Committee, because they're like, well, the electors have spoken. But that's bullcrap. Because Republicans sent competing electors yesterday in Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania. Question about Michigan if they did. I don't know why they couldn't do it in Wisconsin. But the point is, that's that's enough to make it clear that we don't have an uncontested 270 votes. Well, Daniel, the Democrats in the House will certify the... The Democrat ones. Yeah, but the Senate Republicans could certify the Republican ones. And you get a stalemate. So this notion that there's nothing to do is not true. You don't want to do anything. You want Biden as president. And more importantly, for the future, you as Republican senators have no problem with this. But you know what, folks? I don't care. Because what comes around goes around. And there are are already an impossible number of mail-in ballots in Georgia. And Republicans are going to lose those two Senate seats. So, Mitch McConnell, I see, I'm going to get the last left because he's going to lose his majority leader status, and I don't care. Again, the question is what we do going forward on a state and local level. And I have a broad outline today. I'm going to have coming out in a column today on that. I've talked about it before. We're going to work for solutions, but it starts by slaying the idolatry. Of the Republican Supreme Court and the Republican Senate. It's a complete joke. Now look, there's a lot of ways Trump could get his revenge. If he would actually remain consistent for once in his life. And and Trump is the still by far the biggest brand among Republican voters. He could recruit and support candidates and hold rallies. Starting now. Against these governors, senators congressmen up and down the ballot you could have trump slate candidates from county council state legislature all the way up to governor and senator in these especially republican states trump could be the biggest brand that's another big way he could shake things up but that's where we are folks but the fix, the fix is in. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what arguments we make intellectually through the preponderance of evidence. It doesn't matter. You could literally have Joe Biden get up there and give a speech and say, look, you know, Trump's a danger to the Republic. I rigged the election. It wouldn't matter. Republicans will say, well, what could he do? It's too late. Because the fix is in the same way the fix is in with Corona fascism. It doesn't matter what sort of arguments we make, what sort of legal analysis, what sort of data analysis, scientific analysis. It doesn't matter. We live in an authoritarian country. That's the point. we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes with our guest. We're gonna have Dr. Scott Atlas back on the program. It's been a while since he's been on with us. And we're going to talk about how this is not going to end on its own if we don't grab that power back and where it needs to come from. This is not going to be won or lost in the Georgia Senate race or even the presidential election, which is too late. It's up to us. This is not going to be done mechanically like it always is. We need a new strategy. Because the fix is in. The fix is totally in. My buddy, John Ziegler, Glenn Beck posted this on his website. John Ziegler wrote a list of 10 important COVID-related questions, which the news media is ignoring. And I thought it was amazing, almost like a closing argument. Not coming to any conclusions, but 10 basic questions that lie at the cornerstone of the strategy that's being employed. that, That just basic questions like, what's the average COVID death? What is the real evidence of significant asymptomatic spread? We actually now have the evidence now, another massive study showing almost no asymptomatic spread. If COVID was around before March, what does that really mean? Why do masks seem to not work? What is the collateral damage of lockdowns? Basic questions that any even middle-of-the-road country would be willing to entertain before we co-sign our lives to that of servitude until the end of time. But we don't care. Demonstrates the fixes in. So if we have time, maybe we'll read from some of uh, some of John's column. But again, you could see it at Glenn Beck's website. It's up there today. So folks, before we go on, I do want to get to our next guest. It's been ages since we've had Dr. Scott Atlas on this show. Since really before he became a special advisor to the president, Uh, Dr. Atlas was the head of neuroradiology at Stanford before he became the president's special advisor on coronavirus. And really, we, we start to see a lot of positive changes in the White House at a federal level before Dr. Atlas left. And now we are really at a crossroads, very dangerous times. So I figured now that he's out of the White House, we'd get him on the program again. Dr. Atlas, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Well, thanks, Daniel. Just one correction. I I had not been in neuroradiology for quite a while. For the last 13 to 15 years, I've been health policy. Uh, I was a health policy scholar and senior fellow at the Hoover Institution.
0: And I think that's that's important. That that's very important because you have been involved in what a lot of people like calling public health.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, my, my full time position for almost a decade has been health policy. So there's a sort of a canard uh, going around that, uh, you know, a neuroradiologist is uh, just a fish out of water here. That's not exactly uh, that's not even remotely the truth, but we can go on.
0: Yeah, and I would really like one day to get your broad perspective on the healthcare system, the way we pay for healthcare and things like that. But obviously today COVID is all that's on the menu and I I'm honestly shocked that it's been this long since we've talked and I would have never imagined intermittently in between that period of time the degree of control that would be wielded by these governors and mayors would only grow as the evidence that what they're doing is clearly not working continues to grow. Where do you see the general sense of where we are headed as a nation with these policies? And do you think that the vaccine is going to change anything?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of material there. So uh, let me start with what you first alluded to which is the fact that people don't seem to understand that all the policies that are done, implemented in the United States are done on the state level. The governors control their policies. No one in the federal government, no matter what people think, no matter what was said, no one in the federal side controls or has controlled in any way the policies that were implemented. The policies that were implemented whether good or bad, are done by the governors, period. The second point is that what policies were implemented in the United States, before we go on to judging where we're going, what policies were implemented are restrictions on businesses, confinements of individual movements, school closures of in-person schools, uh, certain businesses completely closed, restrictions on group gatherings, this is lockdown that's the definition of lockdown that is what was done in almost every state in the united states with less than a handful of exceptions and so if someone is unhappy or happy with what happened over the past nine months the judgment is what was the impact of lockdown Because only, like I say, maybe Florida did something different, South Dakota did something different, but the vast majority of states did the lockdown. So if people are saying someone did something wrong, they must necessarily be talking about the lockdown failure, the lockdown policies, the confinement policies. Now, where are we going as a country uh, in this pandemic seems to be from looking at what's happening on an endless cycle of lockdowns. This is my concern. This is what people should be concerned about because despite all of the empirical data, and by the way, what was done in each state, not only were lockdowns, but almost all the states, the overwhelming majority had mask mandates and almost all Americans have been wearing masks for months depending on what polls you read 80%, 90% plus of Americans have been wearing masks, and these numbers actually exceed most of the countries in Western Europe and approach the levels of that compliance in Asia. So if you're going to judge the success or the failure of any pandemic management in terms of what was done, it is that judgment. Now, The federal government did have a significant role, if I may go on. And that is, what was the role of the federal government if I just said everything was done at the state level? The federal government role was to supply the resources so that the states could function. And that means billions of dollars of PPE, massive testing capacity, extra beds or personnel when requested, and the Operation Warp Speed stuff, which is developing new drugs and delivering them in an expedited way. And we have over 200,000 doses of the Lilly monoclonal antibody and the uh, Regeneron drug already delivered, uh, for instance. And the Operation Warp Speed vaccine uh, really incredible success of rapidly developing and delivering on every single timeline, including every timeline that the president said and that I said. And when we were called liars by a very vicious, biased media and by so-called experts, repeatedly calling these uh, statements lies, where are these experts now apologizing for what they were revealed as, which is being completely politically biased? Now, where is the country headed? It was the original question. And it seems I'm concerned that even though we have empirical evidence all over the world, not just in the United States, but every country that has done lockdowns, the virus doesn't go away. The cases are slightly delayed, and then they come on through the lockdown, through all the mandates. And so we know the lockdowns are failures for so-called getting rid of the virus, containing the virus. That's point number one. That is not arguable. That is inarguable at this point, unless you don't care about facts. And point number two, as we know, is the evidence is massive. Enormous harms come from the lockdown particularly the working class and the poor. And what we mean by harm, not just economic harms, lives lost, psychiatric problems, suicides up, spousal abuse up, uh, young people thinking of killing themselves. deaths from missed health care, heart attack, stroke, cancer. We are creating and have created now, not just in creation, but have created a massive public health crisis in the United States, and even more so in all the countries that have done that similar policy. So if we are in this world now where the answer to any cases in a virus that is a very contagious respiratory virus that's going to come up, apparently, in the seasonal way that other respiratory viruses do, if our answer is lockdown. There is no end to that because it is very possible the virus will never be gone, never, because most viruses do not just disappear. So if our response is when we see cases of a virus, we must lock down, then that is our permanent endpoint. The vaccine is uh, fantastic news. Uh, Although it's not being celebrated, instead, the poisonous media and really outrageous politicization of every single thing in the united states at this point is making this a controversy the same people that were undermining americans confidence in the vaccine process are now scampering around trying to claim credit for the vaccine on the political side the governor as and the incoming uh, other other political opponents and then the second part is they're now, these so-called experts that were lying and completely wrong about what they said about the vaccine development, are now claiming to be able to say who should be prioritized in the vaccine. The hubris has no end in sight here. So the vaccine is fantastic news for people who want to take the vaccine. Uh, and, you know, it looks like by logic, i listened to Dr. Jay Bhattacharya or Dr. McCarty of uh, John Hopkins, Jay is of Stanford. They both did interviews a couple days back. And I think what they say makes sense, if I can take what they say as reasonable, which, which was the goal of the vaccine is to stop people from dying. Therefore, the prioritization seems to be logical that you would give it to the high risk, meaning elderly, mainly people, And people who deal with high-risk people, like people in medical centers and senior living facilities, that should be the prioritization, according to Jay Bhattacharya, and I. That makes sense to me. That should be a prioritization, according to McCarty of Hopkins. That makes sense to me. And he also made a different point, which is also basic biology: the people that have had the infection don't need to be prioritized for the vaccine they have biological protection and so it wouldn't make sense in a world of rational thinkers which we are not in that world but if we were in a world of rational thinkers we would say people who have our own biological protection should not be a priority from getting a vaccine people who are not high risk should not be the first priority for getting the vaccine no matter what their occupation Because if they're not older, high-risk people, we should be protecting the high-risk people first. So, you know, the numbers are roughly 50 million uh, seniors in the U.S., and most of them, I presume, will want the vaccine, but we don't know because the confidence in the vaccine process was politically undermined in a heinous way, uh, even though no, no safety corners were cut. But anyway, uh, I would think that the first doses of the vaccine should be going, if people want them, to the high-risk
0: group. So the question is, if this starts being distributed successfully in the coming months to these people, here is a concern that I have. And I think you started alluding to it, that we've made cases as the new benchmark to impose all of these draconian regulations all this tyranny and the same way we find that these PCR tests could pick up trace levels with a lot of people are asymptomatic. It's not even clear how much asymptomatic even spread. So my concern is let's say you get the vaccine. Who's to say that these PCR tests can't pick up a positive on you. And then that will spawn an entire new round of panic that the vaccine doesn't work.
1: Well, I think you raise a very good point. Uh, Dr. Fauci was quoted recently on TV uh, as saying that you can still be contagious even though you've had the vaccine. He said you might, from what I remember, he said you still might have virus in your nasopharynx, quote unquote, uh, implying that people could spread. And so, uh, again, you know, we, we at some point, I think. Uh, We have to understand that if the goal is to eliminate a virus, and if the response to not eliminating a virus or the detection of a virus is locking down, then this country will permanently be locked down permanently in a variety of levels. there are people who have said on TV, uh, including a former computer salesman who somehow has expertise in, in infectious diseases and medical things, uh, that uh, we won't be open for another year. I don't know why that kind of comment is even um, given any credence, but since it was said in a public way, uh, you know, this is um, there's no there's no real future there if that's what people want uh they're gonna get that and you know i don't know what to say about that i mean uh i feel there's an enormous problem here in the u.s that has been exposed by this a couple of things have happened number one there's been a climate now uh in universities particularly but also in the media of uh eliminating any discussion of views that don't com- comport with their view of what should be said and this lack of free exchange of ideas is so dangerous to discovering what is the truth so dangerous to allowing people to arrive at their own conclusions in a free country uh, that i fear if that, if that climate of rebuke or repudiation of any ideas <clears throat> that do not comport with the majority or with the desired view. If that is allowed to continue, the country's finished. Uh, and the second part is this idea that uh, there's a, a, a lack of. Uh, there was never an understanding that government had this sort of power in the United States. At least in in my in my view, uh, we know what happens now. Uh, the government has a massive amount of power and uh, these are issues that have to be thought through. I think that people, what has been missing from the table here has been that there has been no call, no accountability, no even request to public health officials or governors, the ones who are in charge, to say, when do we return to normal life? What is the exact plan to completely return to normal, not partial lockdown, not living in fear, normal for a virus that more than 99% of people do fine with. So we have to to ask that question. The question is not being asked. And I, I sort of wonder why that question is not even being asked of people. And my conclusion is there is a massively damaged psyche In America, America is an outlier. The fear factor, excuse me, the fear in the United States among the citizenry uh, is very different from the rest of the world. We look at the other countries, it's not like that. And so uh, we wonder what is the future here? I think this is a question I don't know the answer. What is the future when no one or very few people are even asking the question, when exactly when do we return to normal? That's not been a subject of discussion. And that, that's frightening that there's no strong desire to return to completely normal. Uh, and I have to conclude a lot of that is from the way that this pandemic has been covered by the media in the United States. When you look at it as a recent study that came out of Uh, Dartmouth and Brown, I think, a couple weeks back, and they said that when you look at the English-speaking major media in the world outside the U.S., the percent of stories that were negative about the pandemic was 54%. The U.S. major media, the percent of stories that were negative about the pandemic during the pandemic was 91%. The media is very powerful, <clears throat> whether you want to believe that or not. It's clearly highly influential. Uh, this is really obvious. And so when almost all the stories, and uh, this is sort of a, has a, it has a massive impact on society when all or virtually all the stories in the media are negative about this pandemic. And only half were negative, slightly more than half, in the rest of the English-speaking media. Uh, I mean, that that is a, a cause, in my view, that is a reason why the psyche of Americans has been severely damaged.
0: You're saying something very profound that I think very few others have observed, and I want you to, if you could just flesh that out a little bit more. Implicit in what you're saying is that America is unique, even though we're hearing similar policies on some level across Europe, other places in the world. But you're suggesting that because the media coverage is so one-sided, and certainly we've seen that even where it's unanimously good news, like with children not being vectors of spread, primary spread, even in areas where the. Pandemic is strong. You don't really hear that good news when we have a debate over that issue. And then we have three months worth of actual real life data on that. They never revisit it and say, you know what, this much is not a problem. This part of it might not be a problem. Um, Maybe asymptomatic spread isn't as much as we thought based on all the recent studies. Ne- nothing nothing even the vaccine they've been very negative on that so th- my my question is everyone will ask me well i mean you know you look at these other countries it's not like america invented lockdown it seems like lockdown policies and mask wearing is elsewhere qualitatively what is the difference between what america has done and what some of the other western countries have done
1: well i'll, I'll give you an example uh and of course it's anecdotal but uh I have a family member who was just in London, and in London, everyone was out and about. Every uh, the hotels, the the shops, every, every the streets were very crowded. About twenty percent of people were wearing masks. Uh, things were functioning in a nearly normal way, with some restrictions on 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 indoor dining and things like this but it's a completely different world from california where i live uh and uh, i don't think anyone should think uh, that it's the same just because the general policies of lockdowns and the wording of these policies uh, there's a lot more nuance to people's behavior so uh I, I do want to pick up on on something that you said also just now, which is <clears throat> their media coverage uh, has really been so harmful because it's not just vicious and uh, filled with political uh, vitriol, but it has been a disseminating complete misinformation while accusing people like me of of giving misinformation. I'll give you a, a few examples as you alluded to already. Everything I said during uh, this whole thing has been factually correct, was always based on the science and uh, is only finally being acknowledged, although silently. And that is that children have extremely low risk, if any, Uh, from a serious harm or death from this disease. That's factually true. Children are not significant vectors of spread. That's factually true. Uh, People who are measured as antibody positive are not the whole population of people who have protection from this illness because they have other things that are immunological protectants. That's factually true. It was all factually true when I said it. It was met with Uh, complete outrage and uh, accusations of misinformation. And only now somehow that the left wing uh, media and the political opponents of President Trump are willing to accept it, does somehow it become truth. Whereas the science, there is no new science, none that changed anything since i said those things none it's a misconception that oh now we have new data uh, <laughs> and the same sort of thing uh, is is ignored about all kinds of things including maths when the empirical data shows what it shows i encourage everybody to look for yourself at the data on mass look at it yourself make your own conclusion uh, but you know we are we are really living in a country that is not only off the rails in terms of its uh psychological uh, makeup right now uh, but uh, you know uh, we're living in a country where freedom of speech and uh, information discussion uh is is threatened I yes. think these are These are bigger issues that are going to last beyond the pandemic, and I think this is really critical to understand. I do want to add one comment, which is that in Florida, where there is no penalty or mandate for the sort of behavior, uh, there is no significant lockdown at all in Florida, from my understanding. It is still true that people are jumping out of the way if you walk near them, They are still, you know, uh, running around. Everyone's wearing masks, almost everyone. All kinds of behavioral changes are going on in Florida, even without any of these mandates, even without any uh, sort of lockdown policies. And so uh, there is a that's fine. People should be able to do what they want and feel like they are protecting themselves. That's completely fine with me. But I'm looking at it as an indication of what's going on here. And again, where are the calls for when, just when do we return to normal? Where is the public health official or governor answering the question, exactly when do we return to normal? Because it is not true that people have said there is no, I have not heard any calling that says that once the vaccine comes, we return to normal.
0: I've seen the opposite i've I've actually seen the opposite from from some of the top public health officials, certainly in all these state governments they've been very clear um and then that begs the question, well, if not then, then exactly when is it going to change? And that's what really concerns me. I think you really brought up an important issue with the censorship because I think that's where qualitatively America is very different than Europe. I noticed with the Great Barrington uh, Declaration uh, with Dr. Bhattacharya and his colleagues there from from Oxford and, and and one from Harvard and all the people who signed on to it, I noticed it got a much fairer hearing in the European media than it did in the American media. I noticed a lot of what... Our little cabal here at Rational Ground tries to point out and delve into, but it gets censored 100% on Facebook, whether it's questions about asymptomatic spread and masks and things. All things, by the way, that Dr. Fauci himself said from day one before this got politicized. He said asymptomatic are never drivers of spread, even if you could find a little bit of spread, and that masks certainly are not going to stop a virus like this. Um, but in the European media, I'm finding, even in the U.K. media, this stuff does get an airing. Um, it is, it's is—it's not that people can't find it, whereas in America, it's almost a no-fly zone. And, I mean, is it the car before the horse? I mean, is it that the the media is influencing the people, or is this what people want to hear?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, but I will say you're pointing out another difference. Uh, between the U.S. and other so-called peer nations, uh, the climate, the vitriol, the the vicious, vicious hatred of views that people don't like, I believe is uniquely American, far more strident than other countries. And again, the country is a, uh, the country's in bad shape, in my view. Uh, the country's in bad shape. The country is. Uh, I, I think teetering on on something that no one had ever envisioned for the United States. And uh, it, it is completely off the rails. It, it's, uh, it, it's a very, very worrisome uh, situation here for freedom of speech, uh, for uh, even a civilized society uh, where people can function without trying to destroy people just because they don't like that person or even a person affiliated with that person. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, pretty pessimistic. You're about worse than me.
0: Uh, they, they call me the prophet of woe and lamentation. Um, but I guess what you're saying is ultimately it's got to come from the people I and mean, everyone's hoping this election will change it, this Senate race, this house race, this governor race. But ultimately, I mean, it's got to come from the people, but like you said, it's very hard when intellectual information doesn't doesn't matter. Um, I pointed this out with the election results too, and I'm not going to rope you into that. But the point I made is, I said whatever your stance on it is, God Himself could come down and say there were major problems with ballot harvesting or with the software, like we saw from that audit in a Michigan county. But it's like talk to the hand. See no evil, hear no evil. That is not a legitimate view. So, no matter what information comes to life, um, we're not going to hear that. And I'm finding a similar thing here. No matter how much information we find, uh, we're not revisiting the very premises that led to this. You know, a new JAMA meta analysis of 54 studies, 77,000 participants, they found that household secondary attack rate was 18%. Among those who had an index case that was symptomatic, but just point seven percent among those that were asymptomatic—that's one twenty seventh—and th- this is not in a vacuum. We're seeing this all over the place, and no one's even revisiting the premise that asymptomatic are just spreading it everywhere. And I don't know how to break through that anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's it's very it's beyond frustrating. It's not just that the the data is not being uh, allowed to being publicized and that people will not give that, uh, the, 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 the 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 attention that it deserves. It's also that misinformation just keeps being pushed onto the public. You know, I, I see it myself. I have all these kind of, uh, you know, hit pieces written about me that are just filled with complete lies about what happened in the White House. I mean, overt lies, complete you know, this never ever happened. But what happens is that these things are published, and then they have a life of their own. And it's the same sort of thing with the with the uh, pandemic uh, story. Uh, really, I mean, completely wrong things just keep living on. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know what the what the end is here. I don't. I don't think people should give up. I think we have to keep trying. Or the country is literally finished but uh i'm i'm very uh i'm very negative uh, honestly about about how things are going here because i i don't see the positive changes i don't even see a call for something different i really don't isolated instances of people saying they don't like the lockdown or whatever are are, are visible but they're very isolated the overwhelming majority of people seem to think that this is just sort of going to solve itself, go away. It's a phase. I disagree.
0: And, and, and it's certainly very evident with these radical – these radical narratives that defy immunobiological uh, principles everywhere. It defies science all the time. And one of them that, that I think I really just want you to touch on a little bit for our audience. That's very consequential, very important. And I think it lies at the heart of the fear. And that's, you know, we could have a debate over fearing the virus. um, But I think regardless of what happens, we'd say, all right, eventually it's going to end because eventually a critical mass of people are going to get it. But what I find very destructive, and I didn't think this would go everywhere, but I speak to the men on the street, and it seems like everyone knows about this. I have an uncle that got it pretty bad. He was in Long Island, got it during that first tranche in, in March. He had somewhat of a, of a heart condition, and he felt like he almost died. Um, he did have trouble breathing. He was in, he, he was hospitalized. Um, I don't think he was in the ICU. It, it was a tough go at it. And... He is deathly afraid of getting it again. So, so it's not like, all right, you know, I'm done with it. It was bad. He is deathly afraid of getting it again. So my, two, my, my question to you is, what's just your general scientific take on this notion that this virus could be different than every other virus and somehow um, having the virus doesn't confer a degree of immunity on you? And number two, if that doesn't help, then how could a vaccine confer immunity Yes, well,
1: I mean, it defies all known biology that you learn as a first year medical student. You don't have to be a PhD in virology to understand the most fundamental part of immunology. And the fundamental parts of immunology and what has been proven in this virus over and over and over again, and can be inferred from the empirical data Given that it's roughly true, according to Johnny Anidis, an epidemiologist at Stanford, his estimate is 780 million people have had the infection uh, in the U.S. Something like hundred you know, 70 to 100 million people, by estimates of CDC, have had the infection. <clears throat> Yet, of those hundreds of millions of people, it's considered a case report. There's a handful of people who have had it more than once. That alone, that alone should make everyone realize that there is significant immunity protection from getting the virus after you've had it. That alone, you don't have to really understand all the data which has accrued on T-cell protective uh, impact, uh, other immunological uh Things that protect you from either getting the infection or getting a severe infection. And by the way, the way a a flu vaccine works and other vaccines is not necessarily that you don't get the infection, but what it does is protect people from getting as severe of an infection as you would have gotten if you didn't get, for instance, the flu vaccine. So there is no reason that I know of where people should somehow think this is the only virus that has somehow no protection from having previously infected. In fact, that would be against all logic, all fundamental biology, and everything we know about other coronaviruses. People say this is a novel coronavirus. Well, that, 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 that's fine, except coronaviruses have been around for a while, We have immunological experience with coronaviruses. There is also data from other countries, what I would put in parentheses, rational countries, end of parentheses, like Sweden, like Singapore, where they have shown that there is protection on the basis of a previous coronavirus infection to a totally different coronavirus, let alone this coronavirus. So I, I think it is almost inexplicable to me that this concept is still going around that, quote, we have no idea if people are protected after getting the infection, unquote. That That is <laughs> out of Alice in Wonderland to me
0: it is but it's it's extremely destructive and i think as you said they um mislead people on the definition of immunity and they make it seem that you know it's impossible to test positive again and i think what's concerning about that is we've never tr- we've never had a modus operandi for another virus the way we do this one in that typically symptoms or what defines the virus, not mass testing. But if we were to mass test other viruses, well, you know, you could find, um, you know, certain positive tests. So again, I think that's where my concern comes in—that you could even have mass vaccination of, uh, you know, a hundred million people in the United States theoretically, and they'll go and just continue this testing regime. And if you don't have the symptoms, serious symptoms, uh, defining it, but rather a positive PCR test, my fear is they'll find what they're looking for, and they'll find their cases. doesn't take too many to um, have media stories on it, and then we'll be back to square one. Uh, Pre-infection doesn't work. Vaccine doesn't work. So, I mean, it's all really about slaying this irrational fear. And I guess what you're saying is, it's not a matter of a midterm election. It's not a matter of any election. It ultimately has to come from the people. Is that is that where you're you're headed with this?
1: Well, I I, I was uh, <clears throat> partly in agreement with people who thought this will all change once the presidential election is over. The mentality of things, uh, but I, I I I sort of deep down, honestly, to be honest, I I did not believe that it would all change because I've seen uh, the reaction the incredible uh, spewing out of hate to anyone who said anything, even remotely positive, even factual things, but uh, it didn't change. And I disagree that the elections uh, will change things. I, I don't think that at all. And I do think uh, I, I, I'm very skeptical, honestly, that things will change. I'm very skeptical. Uh, I hate to be so negative to people <laughs> listening, but I am, I am, uh, I am very, very concerned that we are now in an era of perpetual cyclical lockdown. And, uh, I, I just, I think that is a very, very possible scenario here. I, I, I do not see, I personally do not see an end to that.
0: And like you said, that the single biggest way to vet this out is for people to ask anyone who is in power, whether it's at a governmental level, at a local level, or an NGO level, when is the endpoint? When is this going to end? And force them to articulate that. That's the only way to expose this. Um, look, Doctor Atlas, very sobering thoughts, but I think we need to hear the truth uh, so that we could try to come up with some sort of strategy rather than diluting ourselves into thinking this will go away on its own, which it certainly will not. Thanks for your work and trying to warn us about this early and often and trying to save the country and for the work you did for the president. Um, and, and certainly keep us posted.
1: Oh, okay. Thanks, Daniel, for having me.
0: Take care. Wow, folks. He put me to shame in terms of the prophet of woe and lamentation, the Prince of Darkness, but... I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> if you look at it naturally without divine intervention, but without us also slaying our golden calves, that that is our future. Um, on the other hand, one area I would hope he'd be wrong with is just in terms of gauging the people. He lives in California. I mean, it is a very diverse country. And that's my point that, you know, to change the country from where it is now in terms of COVID fascism... Seems like too big of a hill to climb, but you know, it's got to start more of a domino effect, and it's got to start in areas that Trump has carried by significant margins with these liberty community teams that we need to set up. And maybe I need to parlay this more dark show with a light one, and maybe we'll talk more and we will talk more about activism and how we start changing this at a local level, in areas where it makes sense to start this push. But I'm telling you, folks, it's bad. And if nothing else, today's show about the fix being in should demonstrate that this is much greater than any discussion over which Republicans going to win an election. Because the Republican Party is part of the problem. We could discuss how we deal with that in terms of elections and primaries, but it's certainly not the main ingredient in an American revolution. We need to think greater. We need to think broader. As always, send me your thoughts and especially ideas to dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Discuss them on our Facebook page, Miniman Speakeasy. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.